Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Welcome to our expert panel entitled How to Get Your Game Funded with our host, Elena Lobova. Today we have Archie Stonehill, investor at Makers Fund, Thibaut Morin, co-founder and managing partner at Level Up, Scott Millard, managing director at Feardemic, Bertrand Vernazo, CEO and investment partner at GameSeer Venture Partners, and Boris Musilak, founding partner at Smoke VC. joining us and I'm sure that your expertise will be valuable uh, to our panel discussion. Uh, so let's start with the basic situation. I know there are a lot of indie game developers listening to us right now uh, who have some game ideas they've been working on for a while. Uh, they usually have a prototype or a first playable build and at some point they realize that they just don't have enough money to finish the game. So let's first discuss what options do you have? What options do they have in general? Just feel free to pick up the microphone. It's so hard when you're not doing it in person, isn't it? You don't know who's going first. But anyway, I'm happy to happy to start. But um, you know, look, it's a common problem. A lot of independent developers out there that are sort of um, throw themselves into a project and and think that they understand the whole process and get to a certain point and realize, hey, we really need some help here uh, to 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 finish this game or make the game we want to rather than the game that we can. Um, and I suppose that the various different options. Um, you know, for most indie developers, I mean, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but, um, you know, for a lot of venture capital or professional money, smaller indie developers are really a, a, a difficult sort of partnership to sort of have. Um, I think most indie developers that we've worked with, you know, um, you know, come to us, uh, they've exhausted their sort of the, the three Fs, uh, uh, their friends or family, um, and, you know, they come to us looking for resources to finish the game. And, you know, publishers can provide that, provide that. But, um, but again, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's pros and cons to publishers financing uh, um, uh, game development um, versus just publishing it uh, uh, and providing marketing capital and all those those other services such as QA and localization. But, um, um, you know, it, it all depends. Um, so there's various different ways that, uh, uh, um, you know, indie developers can, you know, approach different publishers, but that's, I suppose that's another question. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's, there's a couple different types of financing, right? So broadly, maybe four types. Uh, so one would be project-based financing, uh, where you work with someone to finance a project that typically is compensated by revenue share. Uh, so this is kind of the traditional publisher model, although there are some kind of innovative companies out there doing this in new ways, like Cowley Knight. Uh, another way is equity financing, which is what I and the other venture capitalists here do. That's where you buy a piece of a company, and then uh, in a few years' time, you hope the company sells. And then if, when the company sells, you make money by selling your portion of the company. Uh, then there's also, obviously, debt, which isn't really an option for building a game, but can be interesting as, a, as an instrument for marketing, and you pay interest on that. And then there's grants as a kind of fourth option, which is money you get from governments or NGOs and is basically free and that often comes with other forms of financing so you get like vc matching schemes now if you're trying to finish a game i'd say yeah you broadly you can't really do debt um, and then grants are difficult to get if you don't have some other form of financing so it really depends on the type of game uh, i don't know about the other vcs here but makers we typically only invest in service games uh, so mostly free to play or at least heavily kind of service games and we can go into the reasons why that's the case but Typically, if you're an indie publisher with a small premium game, you're going to be looking for project-based financing. Uh, so you have publishers out there, you know, particularly Asian publishers will do this. Um, but then there's also, as I said, organizations like Cowley Knights, which are kind of trying to trying to do a version of project-based financing, and that isn't um, uh, that isn't as kind of controlling as publishers. And then there's also the platforms, you know, Epic, Xbox, etc., who sometimes will offer financing in the same vein. So maybe I add a bit more to that, uh, Boris from Smock here. So um, as we've invested in a mobile game studio, uh, in a kind of indie premium PC gaming studio, and also a new cloud gaming studio, so three different, completely different models, uh, and also a platform that's another gaming studio, but a platform for gamers to, to monetize stream uh, streamers on Twitch. So uh, what we look at when we invest in a game development company, as opposed to a startup with a product that's outside of gaming, we look into investing not in a specific project, but we need to understand generally what kind of company you're building. So when you pitch to VCs, and most VCs would be like that, those who understand gaming, invest in gaming, or invest but not, don't understand gaming, there are those as well. Um, they uh, look into more what's your vision, general vision for the company, who those people are who are building this with you. Do you have all the skills? You know, so and from from what I'm seeing, from from what the game indie game developers were pitching us, they usually focus on the game itself, which is obviously very important, but. Actually, it's not the most important thing to me. The most important thing is you as a founder, you as the team. You know, I, I need to really understand the dynamics within your team. Then I need to understand if you're a business, if you're like thinking of this as a business. Um, so are you kind of looking into like, like what's happening in the game industry? Why are you choosing that genre? What's like, do you know what, how the competition looks like, how the trends look like? Are you just building this game because you really want to play this game? 
it's not a bad, it's not always a bad motivation, but I would say there needs to be also the other part. You need to understand, you know, your target customers, you need to understand how to do marketing. So we're looking into the game studio as a whole, not just looking at a specific game as the publishers would do. The publishers would be like, yeah, this is a great team. They, they can deliver this game and we can take over and, you know, we can make it sell. But I need the whole team i need to understand that you are you know a, a full team with all the skills you need to have you know depending on the type of game but you know creative writer art director developers marketers pr people so you you know you need to show me the full, full picture and this is what's missing in a, a lot of cases so what if we decide to to to, to invest in a, in a in a company like that then needs i need to understand that this is not a one-off show it's more like you're starting with this one game but the whole idea is to build that kind of studio that lasts for 10 years and that's possible to get me this kind of you know uh, the return of investment that i'm looking for a vc type of investment which is you know 20 20 times 30 times 100 times so you need to show me a vision how to get to that point not just the vision how to build this one specific game I think that's the biggest difference between you know, talking to publishers or friends and talking to, to, to a VC. I agree, yeah, maybe. So it, yeah, okay, yeah, you can. Okay, so Thibaut from Level Up, uh, maybe I can uh, uh, complete what was said. I agree with 100% of what you said. So um, it's very difficult for non uh, service game to find equity funding. Uh, when we invest, especially at early stage, we invest in teams uh, with a vision and a project. Obviously, the game is important. We we want to we discuss it, but it's more a way for us to to see how you react, how you measure your strengths and your weaknesses, how you um, what what data you use, and how far you are from launching this game or being able to realize that this game is not the appropriate one and that you need to develop a new one. Um, so it's very, very difficult because we, we all say we invest in a team, we want a vision, etc. But in reality, we are discussing um, the game a lot, the data a lot with the studio, uh, more as an interaction to see how can we work together. And obviously, um, the vision is very, very important, uh, but it's very difficult to measure what is real and what is nice slides as a VC, on the vision, I would say. Uh, rather, so this is why we, we, we have a lot of conversation about the game. We are data freaks uh, at Develop, so we, we, we look at a lot of data, and it's more a way to communicate with the studio to see um, how realistic they are about their chance of success with that game and what usage they will make for our money. It's a very good test to see if they, they have a, a game in mind and they will never move from this project, even if data shows that uh, it will be a failure. Or to the contrary, if they know that with the analysis of the market, they, they want to tackle to say it's an opportunity with a specific game, but they are open to change a lot of things or even to start, restart from scratch immediately uh, if they realize that they haven't chosen the appropriate strategy, art, 
game design, positioning, and that it doesn't work. And for us as a VC, this is very important because I totally agree that uh, we want to do a 2020x return, uh, but before that, we need to have some, when we invest in real estate, we need first to have some first product that will allow the studio to finalize its setup, I would say, to make sure that you have the appropriate guy in live ops, uh, the, that your art, your artists are great, that you have the data analytics in place that works. And I believe that in the current competitive environment, very few early stage studios come with everything at the at its stage. They may have the name, they may have a full scope of people, but are they really all good uh, by the standard? Because the competition is terribly uh, difficult outside. So you need to have one of the best data analysts possible, the best UX, UI, artist, game designer, someone who would work on the monetization and the balancing with you. So having a full team maybe requires one or two or three games. So this is why we, uh, I would say, the game is more a tool for decision and for discussion. Right. Thank you. Um, maybe, maybe to bounce on Thibaut's um, uh, saying, actually, Thibaut is the person coaching me about MA, so I have to disclose this. I'm close to Thibaut. Um, I guess, you know, there's about 70 people in the audience. Most, most of you guys are indie devs. You probably, some of you might have or might be working on your debut title. So, talking about, uh, you know, company valuation and equity and all of that. Maybe it sounds um, a little bit foreign. So, as far as Game Seer is concerned, when we uh, when we have a team pitch us, we think first, what is the most adapted to you? So, before we, you know, of course, we have to value, we have to prove um, that you're that we believe in your in your project, that we see meaningful, you know, verticalities or innovation on the specific segment that you are. Uh, pushing the title on, or you want to push a title on. But what we mostly look at is how your team is built. Even though we don't invest in equity, we invest in project financing and recoup via royalties without taking uh, any intra-property or right of first refusal or derivatives, which are the, let's say, the staples that you will find when you work directly with the publisher. We're first going to look at what's your setup. Are you a team that is more... Uh, heavy on iterating, you know, maybe some technical importing, um, and do you have the capacity also to work on your PR, your comms plan, your distribution, managing your influencers? Because that's actually how you market your game. So we take a look at that. Do you have all the weapons, uh, or do you have the weapons and you miss the bullets? So then we enter into discussion with you if we believe in your title to say, you know, should we do this together with a publisher? That's one option. We did this twice. Um, lastly, with the, uh, the publisher from Ghost Runner, uh, All In Games, we, where we signed out a lot, um, Champions of the Four Kingdoms together. Or um, should we increase the budget that you guys had planned? Let's say, you know, you have a 800000 a dollar production or one million dollar production, shouldn't we give you, you know, two hundred or two hundred fifty thousand dollars more, and have you staff with externals or EFTs or employed full time persons that will be helping you 
uh, to market your game. Uh, this this has a very concrete consequence. Uh, if we work together, we as as being a boutique and lean entity with only two partners, we can offer very competitive terms. So that means you will have a very high royalty retention compared to working with a publisher. Or the other setting is talking with us, securing uh, your funding for your development, for instance. You, go, you, you, you have already the million dollars that you need for the development. We're signing an investment agreement together. And then you say, well, I'm not ready to do self-publishing for my title. And we'll go together, look for a publisher. And then you have increased leverage because you come to the publisher with already, you know, a fully funded title. Um, or, you know, as I mentioned, we provide full funding and we um, give you what experts, uh, we give you experts that can help you with, with marketing your game. So you basically have the highest know-how retention because on top of retaining royalties, you will also learn over the process uh, of, of what it, what you have to do to, to market your game. So as far as company valuation, this is very important for you because if your debut title or whichever title you make as a publisher, uh, its potential success will forever remain um, the work of you and the publisher. So we offer this. It's a, a little bit of a, a third uh, path or a way in between, between full equity uh, and publishing. Um, so any of you guys want to chat with me after the conference, I'll be, I'll be very happy to be in touch. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. So, okay, can I just add? Um, I'm, you, I, yeah, you can. I know add a, a lot of um, uh, this is with you talking about equity and venture capital and different ways in which people can fund their fund their uh, 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 projects through project financing, etc. So, we've looked at about a hundred games this year or in the first six months, and probably of those one hundred developers that we've spoken to, um, only three of them, I think, were talking to uh, venture capital. The vast majority were. Really Really tiny teams, like one person to four per, per people, and you know probably eighty percent of them hadn't even incorporated their their, their company. So um, you know I think the, the vast majority of small developers out there just you know, professional money is just not a choice. So they've got to find you know different alternatives um, to fund the game, whether it be you know partnering with a publisher that's going to provide them capital, just cash uh, in exchange for. Uh, uh, with that title, or um, a, a publisher that's prepared to provide them with, you know, various kind in-kind services such as QA localization, um, coding services, etc. So, I mean, and at that level where most of the indie indie game developers are, it's 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 really hard to find the data points that sort of say, oh, this is going to be a successful company or it's a studio, etc. Of course, there's data points there, but it really comes down to sort of you know a, a, a relationship with them going to be able to sort of go the distance and deliver the product at the end of the day. So it's, it's you know, it's a funny sort of business in that, you know, there's studios that, um, you know, can uh, uh, ask for a five to ten million dollar investment, but just the vast majority out there are sort of not in a state um, uh, where they can sort of pitch up to VCs and ask for this of type of capital but i mean you know, i may be to totally wrong but that's kind of the experience that i'm hearing back from all these developers that we're speaking to okay yeah thank you scott it's well actually exactly what i wanted to talk uh, about and i like i wanted to sum up everything that was uh, already
already said. Uh, so basically the type of funding uh, that you may get depends on the level of maturity of your studio and uh, your game. So if you already have a studio with some experience and a strong team deck and a vision for many years in advance, uh, so that it means that uh, you, going to VC would be probably a good uh, option for you but if it's a small team and in many cases it's like one person team or two person team and as Scott mentioned the team is not incorporated yet then probably uh, it would be best for you to start with working with a publisher or look for some uh, some funds small funds that invest in small teams on project basis and yeah there are also different other ways to get games funded for example there is crowdfunding and accelerators and grants governmental funding so i just wanted to add here that vcs is not only the one way of getting your games funded but uh, today we have a lot of vcs representatives here so we'll be talking a lot about uh, getting some either equity or project funding from venture capital and also some have some publisher perspective uh, yeah. yeah it's a very something I was just saying, I think that Scott's point is 100% right, and I agree with everything everyone has said so far. Um, and I actually think beyond just, you know, your team background and whether or not, you know, you'd be like a right for a VC to choose you, I also do think something that doesn't get talked about enough is that taking money from a VC comes with, a, with an expectation, and it's important to have aligned expectations between a publisher between a, a company and their investors because if you want to take money from a venture capital fund you have to know that the vc fund wants you to scale that company as much as you can and it wants you to sell that company at the end of the day that's fundamentally how they make money and if you just want to you know make money making games and live a reasonably and make the games you want to make it probably actually is not, may well not be the right thing for you to do to take VC capital, even if you can fundraise it. So I do think it's, a, it's, it's as much about like aligning, you know, what both of you want out of the agreement as it is about you know, whether or not you, you'd be, even be a good fit. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you have any response from the VCs, you can say something or you agree what just uh, Archie said. Yeah, well, I think it's... Uh... So that, I mean, I think Archie used the word fundamental. So the issue that it might not be the end goal that a studio has. Um, so for for instance, our latest investment is a two-person team, and we were uh, were thirteen publishers and investors, you know, um, in competition for that deal, uh, and. When I spoke with the two founders, I was I asked them, you know, what do you want to do? What what do you see yourself do in ten years? Because your game is awesome, and there's thirteen of us right now uh, begging you uh, to take our money. Um, and they said, uh, well, in ten years, I want to be making games. I want this company. I want to be working for this company. I want to be making games with my brother uh, because that's what I like to do. This is what allegedly I'm good at because there's thirteen of you here today. Uh, and this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So the issue with venture capital is indeed that it makes money with, with exits, right? Or uh, you take a chunk, you can, the way you make money is that the cake grows and you sell it. 
So when we started um, investing in 2019, we're like, well, how are games funded? You know, there was VCs and there was publishers. Can we not find a way in the middle? This is why recouping via royalties uh, made a lot of sense to us because we said, look, guys, we're going to fund your game and we're going to earn royalties. Uh, and hopefully it's successful, but we're not that interested in your company. That's your thing. That's that's your baby. We're interested in a project. We want to earn money together. We want to invest uh, $500,000 and hopefully we'll make a decent million or a million and a half with this and it will be beautiful. But as far as your destiny, um, as far as where you want to go with, the, with your entity that you create, your intellectual property, um, that's your choice. It has to remain your choice. Um, and we're happy to go along the way and earn money with you, you know, having your dream become ours. So I think this is indeed a, a fundamental difference in the vision that we have in how we invest. Yeah, I think, by the way, I think it's great that there are organizations like yours, because I totally agree that, like, you know, it's such an extreme choice between just a publisher and a VC. And I think there has to be more innovation in the industry about how we fund games. Uh, because of that, like, you know, those two extremes are not where a lot of studios are. And I would add one thing, which is uh, all VCs are the same uh, in the way they look at your project and your company, but they are not all equal. When I see Archie and Makers Fund, we rarely compete with them on studio because um, they are more interested in bigger projects than us because they fund bigger teams um, while we are focusing on more emerging teams because we are a smaller fund. So um, I would say it's for me, it's maybe it would be pointless for many of the studio we have funded to try to reach out to Baker's fund because it was either too early or too small. But I would say any studio and project is driven by the very same metrics. When you fund a studio, you want to make sure that they have, let's say, 18 months in average uh, of burn in front of them in order to deliver the step one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, yeah, so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an electricity cut. <laughs> So um, everyone is funding a studio for 18 months, uh, sometimes with 1 million euros, sometimes with 5 million, depending on the track record of the team, uh, what they have done before, whether they are a really indie team of six, eight person, which is where we focused. Maybe you can build a team with 20, a very experimented guy, and you will shoot for more experimented VC. So my recommendation will be to also to, to select the VCs that can suit your project. Um, for a fund like us, if you, you come and you say, I want 5 million as a seed round, we will pass, uh, or maybe we'll participate, as a, but we will not be a leader uh, in, such a, in such a transaction. So even if we all have the same logic, uh, we all have our positioning, and I think uh, it takes a lot of, uh, it takes some homeworks on your side to pick who you want to attract as a VC which not only depends uh, who, on who the VC is, but uh, also on what you can propose them and what you can be. Okay, thank you so much for this addition. Uh, I think we can move on to the next questions. And there is a very important question that a lot of developers ask us time to time. Uh, and uh, it sounds like 
when it's best to start looking for investment at which stage there are some developers that realize they still have some money to go to the next stage there are some developers that realize that they are already almost out of money there are some like small teams who can actually somehow survive and keep doing the game uh, but they just don't know when to start looking for investment how much time does it take what would you recommend them I, I again, um, Elena, this is really linked to what type of investment uh, people are going to get. So I, I can't speak for uh, Archie or Thibault or uh, Mr. Black, I forgot your name, or Boris. Um, so the, the thing is, for instance, for us, we are very much probably much more similar to, to Mr. Black. Um, so being focused on project financing, uh, the best time uh, to get in touch with us is when there's going to be a V-slice uh, or a prototype or any type of playable. Because basically for us, um, investors like to mitigate risk. So you can have the best idea in the world and send us the and and what have you. Um, it doesn't matter to me fundamentally. Um, I get the word fundamentally. Idea. Sorry, we cannot hear. We couldn't hear you for the last like maybe oh. fifteen seconds. Can you please repeat? Okay, so what did you? What did you guys? So maybe hear? it was on your side. I actually heard the whole thing. So maybe. Oh, okay. It's All right. So basically, um, if you ha if you pitch us an idea, you have to have the capacity to, or you ha must have already taken the time to prepare playable a V slice, a prototype, whatever show us that you can iterate and execute on your idea because otherwise it's very, it's much harder for us to assess you you and your team and, and your capacities and your skills and we're just going to tell you um please come back to us when you have uh done a playable and please don't tell us yes but i need three hundred thousand dollars to make a playable um we receive all the time teams that you know do and invest uh, sweat equity in a prototype and in a playable and even if you can make this the smallest playable, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it shows us that you're determined uh, and that you, you want to go and invest really yourself also personally in this project. Because coming to us with a nice pitch uh, and saying, I need $300,000 or half a million dollars for a prototype, <laughs> that's a helpful prototype, um, that's not going to work. You're not going to get funding. And we're basically going to keep watch uh, and, and talk with you over time. But uh, no prototype, no playable, no money, basically. I agree that the, the more, like the later you can go to, like go to investors, any kind, the better for you. Generally, like if you don't need the money, don't go. <laughs> you go when you kind of know that this is kind of, you get to the stage that it just makes sense for you to, to raise money. Uh, we, I can tell you, uh, like very small, like very like kind of high level, what kind of companies we funded and what kind of stage they were, uh, so that you kind of get the idea of where we would go. Um, so, for example, for 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 a company called Axiom Games, uh, th this was like three vertical slides. That was supposed like those part like the guys were working already on a game, but the, we could only show some you know uh, some some a video of a very very early version of of the game so not even a playable anything playable uh, on our side but we've invested super early together with a finnish fund sisu 
because we 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 bought the vision of the company and also because of who those people were you know there were you know guys who have built the witcher the, the third version of witcher they've they've worked on cyberpunk they've worked on uh, dying light 2 they've been really into premium gaming before and they were now building a, their own premium gaming studio together with a number of like lead uh, artists lead developers from all of those studios like techman cd project red or the ci games so we kind of saw that they they, they've proven already, you know, during the last 15 years of their careers that they are capable of building games. So we didn't really need that proof from that team, which we would have needed if it was a, a team of newbies, you know, people who are just passionate about gaming but haven't really worked in a game studio before. That's way harder. And that in that case, you need to show way more that you that you have to show when you kind of you know you're a, a veteran in this space uh, so that's a very pc type of game but then we've invested also in a mobile game studios called nibble games and that was also a veteran Pavel was a veteran from huge games you know a very big very successful german-based and polish-based um, um, um casual kind of gaming studio um, mostly known from the casino games but he was into hybrid casual type of games but in that case like for mobile it's just so what so much easier to show some metrics so we really like in those cases we really need you to to at least know your metrics like you know how like you have your if it's a hyper casual game you can build it in two weeks and then you can just show us that you know how to market it show you how much it costs to acquire you know users how much more or less how, how much do you like what like how long they, they're playing the game and you already know if economically what you have makes sense and then you make you know you do the raising when you really need to scale when you need to invest you know a few hundred thousand into the game and see if that sticks so different depending on different types of, of games that you're building um but i would say in all the cases it's the bootstrap as long as you can because investor money is you know if you do it too early it's not good for you you're gonna dilute yourself too much if it's your in if it's a vc type of company you know company you're building if it's vc funding you're looking for you're gonna you know own less of your company if you raise early. If it's a project base, then you're gonna get you know worse terms, even if you manage to, to raise funding. So that's the general you know the general advice. But then also depends on your experience a lot. Yeah, I think this is. A, I was just gonna say that I think this is a hard place to come up with rules because you know yeah, yeah. on the one hand. Like you'll get, I think, by the way, that team sounds great. I would love to meet them, the one you were just describing, but I think they're right. Yeah, <laughs> we can arrange that. <laughs> Um, uh, but I do think like team is essential because if you read Venture B, right, you'll see like Theory Craft raising 34 million off a tape of pitch, just an idea. And you see a lot of this in America, all of these ex rioters and ex Blizzard people raising massive amounts of money from Andrewson Horowitz. And I don't necessarily think that's the best investment strategy, but you will see it. And I do think like for kind of superstar teams, you can get these massive rounds very early. Um, so I think one, experience is, is everything. Uh, I think we've said that a couple of times, but the team is what you invest in fundamentally as a VC and also most of the publisher. So different rules apply depending on your team's background. But I would also say, yeah, I, I agree that generally with mobile, if it's not an all-star team, we'll look for a, a metrics at least. But with PC, it's a little more complicated because obviously by the time you've got metrics, you basically got the game. 
Um, so I think, like, just to summarize, this gets very complicated when you talk about generals because you get these exceptions with all-star teams. If you're not an all-star, and you should be honest with yourself about that, you're probably going to need a higher bar and a lot more evidence. Thank you. Um, Scott wanted yeah. to say something. Just wanted to say, um, oh, sorry, Thibaut, you do you want to go? Uh, um, yeah, uh, yes, please. Um, what I wanted to, to say and uh, I, is that um, the timing is important, but you must realize that even if each and, a, and every VC around the, this table, including myself, will promise you that it's very, very quick to take a decision and do a fundraising, I haven't seen over the last three, three years every, any fundraising that didn't, that didn't took three months before getting a full term sheet and a lineup and one or two months for completion of a round. So I would say a minimum of four to six months is to be expected when you start talking with VCs. You need to meet them. Uh, sometimes it takes two weeks to, for a VC to really start working on your project because of whatever, uh, closing or anything else. <clears throat> so I would say you need to anticipate by six months uh, before you get out of cash and not wait for the very last minute because we all dream of being able to take a decision in two weeks and uh, give the money in two weeks, but we all probably uh, genuinely try to do it. But I think most of us fail being able to do it in, uh, in a very, very short time frame. Uh, I would say that the general rule as to when you should start looking for capital is that basically if you didn't start looking for capital in your first year of high school, you're running very late. I mean, literally, uh, you should always be looking for capital. You should always be looking for ways to raise uh, cash because essentially at the end of the day, if your dream is to build a company uh, and your idea is A, B or C, those uh, three ideas need capital. And a really good idea, a solid idea without access to capital will fail. A general average idea, but with access to capital has got far more chance. So getting capital is absolutely the number one priority that you must always do, besides developing your game, of course. But, um, you know, and as Elena pointed out, there's many ways to do that. There's, you know, platforms, there's publishers, there's venture capitals, there's friends, there's all types of different people. You should be a demon on LinkedIn and don't be afraid of anyone telling you no, because no just means not today. And just keep on going back. Your, your persistence will eventually bear fruit because there's someone out there that will fund your dream. You just got to find them. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, basically the rule is uh, don't start too early, bootstrap for as long as you can, but always keep looking for possibilities. And remember that signing deal takes time, negotiation takes time. So uh, always be looking for funding, but uh, you know, try to be independent for as long as you can. Remind everyone before we move on to the next question that we'll have a short Q&A session after this. So prepare your questions and uh, you'll be able to raise hand and we'll give you the opportunity to speak. 
but before we move on to the Q&A session, one more quick question to all the panelists is, uh, if you could name one thing in the pitch that uh, is very important for you, maybe the most important for you, what is what it is? What would you like to see in the game pitch uh, to really like make this pitch special or prominent? Maybe you can give us some examples of great pitches that you've seen. Maybe uh, remember some of the first meetings uh, with the companies you've invested in at the end of the day sure I, I mean i think that if if you can't guess this one by now uh but i'll go for the easy answer uh which is the team i mean just like i i'll give an example of an investment we made which is dream games in turkey uh this is an atypical investment for us it was a seed investment um and the team was ex-peak uh games who made toon blast and toy blast and just like the the I mean, the team's background was extraordinary. And just hearing their story of how they'd built, you know, two top 10 grossing games um, was amazing. And, you know, walking us through it, you could actually see that they had done it because very often you'll get someone who, you know, was at Riot in 2010, but maybe wasn't that instrumental to the building of League. But this team could really describe, you know, what it was like to do what they'd done. And so they made it very clear that they could do it again. And sure enough, their game Royal Match has been a, a huge success and is one of our top top performing portfolio companies. So I do think if you can walk, uh, uh, if you can really get, get an investor to believe your team is extraordinary, uh, that, that is the best thing you can do with any pitch. Sign up today for the Indie Game Business Newsletter. It's a weekly source of business news curated for indie dev teams. We've got discounts on all Indie Game Business events and events from all of our partners. You get a first look at the summaries and takeaways from all of our podcasts. There's exclusive opportunities for promotions and early access to new tools for development, monetization, and more. Check it out. Sign up. PowellGroupConsulting.com slash publisher dash list. Thank you, Archie. Uh, does anyone have something to add? Or the team is the most important for all of you? Oh, sure. I had a pitch where the team was inspired by a techno song to make a game. It was uh, a pretty dank techno song. And that game was, was pretty rad, too. Uh, and their first game sold uh, a million copies. So uh, from that point, I was like, yeah, I'm in. Because of the techno song and the million copies sold of their debut title. That's nice. And basically, uh, I would add that uh, in addition to the team, the vision, what they convey, and they say, okay, this guy deserves to be funded because it's a unique opportunity, which is uh, always what we were looking for as a VC. Um, for me, I would say that uh, the one thing we would like, uh, we, we, we really appreciate, is when people are able to um, be honest with themselves on where they are in their pitch. If you have some data and some KPIs and you demonstrate some early traction, it's very, very important for me to, for us to understand in the pitch that you know that 
getting from $100,000 a month where you are now to 1 million is not just pushing on, on your way, it may require a lot of things. And so we have this understanding that you know where you are going uh, from an early success, especially in seed, especially if as a team you are bright guys, but not famous uh, in the industry or not with 20 years of uh, experience, uh, like the Dream Games team, uh, for instance. Um, what is really important for us is to see that people know where they are, where they go, and what are the challenges. I mean, it's for me, it's point, the, the, we see too many pits where people, in a nutshell, say, it's easy with that game, I will succeed. The, we tend not to believe them anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose all the developers that we have been looking at over the past 12 months, you know, again, really small teams, um, uh, uh, and most of them are fresh out of school. None of them have had the luxury of working for Blizzard or CD projects. So really for me, um, the, the, the way of getting a, a, an idea of whether or not this game uh, is going to actually be made is the, 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 the clue is in the game design document. And really, um, if the team or the small team have spent the time creating a game design document that's well thought out, well organized, you can kind of get an idea of how they're approaching the project. And that, if that framework there is, is there ready to support the development, well then that's a really good indicator. Um, uh, of course, that's trumped by however many wish lists they've been able to, uh, to gather since they started their Steam page. Uh, and of course also uh, um, how many people have downloaded a demo that they perhaps made. Um, but generally, I would say, you know, without um, the uh, benefit of knowing who this team is because they're just fresh out of school, um, the, the, the big clue or the big indicator is going to be that game design document. Thank you, Scott. Okay. Uh, if uh, there is nothing else, else to add, I see there is nothing else to add. Uh, then we'll probably move to the Q&A part. So guys, please feel free to raise your hand. You can ask your question to someone in particular or everyone in general. Thanks, Alina. And I can help out from here because I've got the, the power of, of giving people a speech. Uh, if you've got a question and you don't want to, you know, ask it publicly in front of everybody, feel free to DM it to me. My DMs are open on the server, just like for indie game business, uh, and we will ask it confidentially. Uh, so we have one, uh, Dan. So Dan Mort, um, you are invited to speak and ask your question. Dan. Okay. All right, so we'll go to the next one. So Josh, you've got a invite to speak. Just hit the little accept button and you're good to go. Uh, hi there, can you hear me? Yep. Uh, hi, so uh, my question is for Bertrand. Uh, I'd just like to ask, um, he said something about uh, like getting a, a prototype. Like, well, like, like you have to have something playable before you before you uh, ask for funding. 
I was just wondering that that like it can be anything. Like even if it's just like a pure skeleton of the game with no no characters or graphics or anything. Like it's just like a skeleton, like with just like placeholder everything, like placeholder animations, uh, you know, characters that sort of thing. As long as like the the basic like the core framework is there, it can be anything. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for your question, man. Uh, to to answer you with a concrete example. Um, we have the, uh, the XCT of Starbreeze, which is a company that maybe you know that, that works with us. They made uh, Dead by Daylight and Payday 2. Um, and he was telling me the other day uh, about the gray box prototype of Dead by Daylight. So maybe you played that game. It's a pretty, pretty cool game. But at a gray box level, it's basically just uh, people walking around a pixel bottle. And it was already apparently super fun. He said when the team came to it, mock up nothing, but just a concept and thing that that less than five thousand euro. Uh, basically, he said the the, the people at Starbreeze were playing this for hours. So it doesn't matter that it's just a, a a concept or a gray box you know or a very short prototype with very limited art or you know that you you can even in either ue or unity it has to illustrate your concept and i'm i'm about to invest in a game and i've just played for 10 hours and a half with my brother to the prototype that's just, just telling you how fun it is so be it as basic as it is, it doesn't matter. It's a concept proof, um, and you can do it with, with very limited resources. Uh, okay, I, I see. I, I, I had another question. Um, uh, it's escaping me at the moment, though. I don't really remember what I wanted to ask. Don't worry about it, Josh. Uh, we got a lot of people queued up here. Yeah. Um, if you yeah, remember, DM me later. Yeah, I will. All right. That's cool. I'll have you take a look at it. Thanks, Josh. Thanks a lot. So next up is Pedro. You've got a, uh, a invite to speak now and ask your question. All right. We'll go to the next one. So MDV, did you want to ask or would you rather me, me ask? I know this one, so I'll ask. So what is your, just for the panel in general, what is your experience working with, you know, Latin American teams? Have you have you worked with them? I mean, any experiences you can share on that side? Is that a question, Jay, or yeah. is some, from somebody from the audience? Yeah, it was, it was for someone in the audience. They, they wanted to know... You know, if you had any experience working with Latin American teams, and if so, what was that experience like? Yeah, sure. So I can maybe chime in on that one. I'm so I'm, I have to disclose I'm married to a, a beautiful Colombian. To spend time in Colombia, I've been, um, you know, checking a little bit how the country was doing with with game dev, and they have, for instance, a hub in Medellin, which is in Antioquia. Maybe some of you guys know. Uh, that city, and they have a, a hub called Ruta N, which is partially funded by the local government over there, and and it has a lot of you know small uh, indie studios there. Um, the most surprising thing is that a lot of them over there don't really know they can get 
uh, funding, um, you know, venture venture funding. They generally speak, you know, generally speaking, my experience with them was uh, we have to bootstrap everything where, where we feel like no VC is going to be interested in investing in this country because of, you know, FX exposure, whatnot, what have you, you know, or risk or whatever. Um, so definitely from my experience, at least with Colombia, I can't speak about other countries. Uh, even though you have pro-Colombia pro and other entities and governmental entities that are trying to, um, you know, push the country ahead and, and bringing team, you know, bringing team to, team to Gamescom, um, it's very slowly starting. Um, but it, there's a lot of talent there. I'm pretty sure there will be emerging teams uh, in the coming years for sure. Awesome. Thank you. So our next question is, let me make sure here. Um, for you all as the investor we have here on this panel, are investments open to developers worldwide? And if not, are there any investors that are open to taking in developers from Southeast Asia? And if so, what are the criteria? We're totally global. Uh, no, no, no geographic restrictions. <laughs> criteria is pretty much the same anyway. You know, great team, great product, great idea. Um, doesn't doesn't change by region for us. That's, uh, that's always the part you got to have that great game or that great idea or that great yeah. thing. as on our side at level up we we don't invest uh, outside europe at large so including uh, russia east and uh, and turkey uh, as part of what we call europe um i totally agree with archie about uh, it's always the same metrics and criteria but it's just that um, we don't have anyone on the ground, we don't have anyone on the time zone. So as a VC, not only you need to pick the right investment, but be able to, to deliver uh, and uh, help the, to create value in the future. So we don't invest in Southeast Asia for, for this specific reason. Thank you. All right, so we've got two more questions that have come in to me via DM, and then we'll get to Alina and Mal and Caldron who have queued up in the uh, in the raised hands section. So the next question coming up the Discord: What is the interest level in uh, blockchain games right now? Zero. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think that the the first wave of blockchain games that we saw, I mean, you can't just, fundamentally, we believe a game has to be a very good game first and last, and that blockchain can supplement it potentially if you use it well, but too many pitches, I think, have, uh, you know, thrown blockchain on there, hoping to get funding, and uh, fundamentally, we believe the game is what matters. Uh, so if you can use blockchain smart, great, uh, but first and foremost, we'll look at your game. The same for us. All right. So, next one. How do investors relate to game studios with experience in full cycle work for game for in full cycle work for higher development, embarking into developing their own IP and looking for financing for the project? So, if it's their first original game, but they have a long track record of doing uh, contract development. It's, I mean, maybe I, I can answer that one. I see that a lot. Uh, work for high companies in Eastern Europe. 
that are having they've been doing awesome job on specific productions working for AAAs. Um, but then, you know, when they come up with their own original creation, uh, it's subpar. Um, that's my experience. Um, the, their know-how is definitely extremely valuable, and it's definitely risk mitigation for a VC. Uh, but I've yet, you know, to, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, be impressed by a team that is first fo mainly focused on, on work for hire. Uh, because I always get the feeling that, oh, by the way, we're doing an original creation, but we also focus on work for hire because that's, that's what paid the bills. Um, they tend to be less committed to their, their original creation than a team that doesn't do work for hire and is going to be all in on that project. Well, as a, as a company whose name used to be WFH Games, um, I, I, I can comment on that. Um, so, you know, uh, Fiademic actually did start off as Work for Hire Games, and then it became Fiademic about five years ago. But um, um, the part of this, the, the puzzle you probably don't know is that Bloober Team owns Fiademic. Now, Bloober Team started out as a pure Work for Hire games company. That's WFH Games, um, and their first their first um, IP was, um, I think, famously put by our founder the worst game on the PlayStation. Um, but they learned something there and you know their second game, Layers of Fear, was um, uh, extremely well received and it has gone on to sort of uh, become you know uh, um, uh, one of the sort of you know key IPs that the company owns. So look I think you know work for hire is a great place to start for a lot of studios and and yeah I mean I, I mean I, I've never started a studio myself my background is in publishing but I hear from people who have all the time that you know it's super difficult you know it's much easier to buy a studio or buy a functioning studio than it is to actually create one from scratch because it takes a lot of time for the team to really find a groove together and work together to create something really magical and special so um, so you know and Doing work for other people is always a great way to to start that process and you know find out how you work with uh, uh, the team and how you really build a solid team spirit so that in game number three, game number four, really have a potential to create something special. All right, I'm going to. We've got like two more questions queued up. After Oh, yeah, and Archie, thank you so much for coming and doing this. I know you've got to run. Uh, we re we really really appreciate the uh, the support here. Yeah, of course. Uh, feel free to reach out to everyone uh, uh, if you wanted to chat or have any questions. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Uh, Alina, you are up next. Hello there. Thanks, everyone, for this panel. It's super insightful. Um, my question is, um, so right now I am a solo developer working on my first title, and I'm using contractors um, to help build out the vertical slice. I'm currently bootstrapping. I know VCs typically like to invest in solid teams, but I currently don't have a permanent team and be looking for new hires post-funding. Um, what can I do to raise my chances to raise funding? Well, if those guys are, you know, looking to join you once once you get the funding, that's fine. Like you need to have that um, agreement with them and make sure that they want to be committed fully and and they have all the skills, you know, to be your first employees. 
I, that wouldn't be a, a you know that's a normal thing when you're bootstrapping and i think that wouldn't be a big problem for me uh, as long as they are not just contractors working on 10 different games but they actually want to be part of your projects you know long term and full time Uh, thanks for the the question, Alina. Maybe to give you an extra um, input, uh, Orlater's investment is uh, a team of two. They're two brothers. Uh, they survived with 17,000 euro over the course of 24 months uh, before getting an investment from us. Uh, what made a difference was the quality of their prototype, which is uh, one of the best prototypes I've ever played. Uh, it's mind-blowing. They're extremely humble and talented, and they're very uh objective driven so they their objective is to ship this this game um and it doesn't matter if they're you know they're two brothers coming from a very humble background but ultimately what mattered was the quality of their prototype and the project uh they were showing execution um and drive and that's what got them the money thanks Alina. all right mal you are up next you've got your invite to speak thank you jay um, I'm Mal here from uh, a, team, a company called Erdichun Games. We're based in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And my question is about if the investment you're going to be making is going to be game focused, um, and you have a real, uh, you have a pretty small indie team, say so two or three people. Indie team, indie co-founders are used to wearing many hats. And um, I was wondering, are there instances where you um, you wanted the developer to say, look, wear your development hat full time instead of the your business hat and hire a business person in, or you know, actually say to them, look, and the, for, to make this game more more um, feasible to get out there, actually wear your development hat full time, and we'll hire someone business oriented. You know, the, the, have you been in a situation where you basically had to say to the developer, look, focus on the development, we'll handle more business end, or you say to them, look, you need to get more business oriented here, um, hire another developer to take over your task. And th this is specifically if the, if the, if it's not company investment where. You know, obviously, then it's a business rather than about the game. You know, hopefully that made sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be happy to take take the first part of that question. So, um, you know, look, all the developers that we work for, uh, that we work with, uh, and we publish their games, um, we come to them with a creative solution that people that, that VCs can't. Now, um, you're perfectly right. I mean, the developers, small teams, wear lots of different hats and do lots of different things. Um, we offer them the ability to take all marketing off the table. Look, we all handle that. Um, things like QA, bug hunting. Um, uh, um, uh, we, we come from a development background. We're part of a bigger studio group. We can take all that off the table as well. So you can just focus on designing your games. That's part of you know working with a publisher versus working with an investor. Investors are going to primarily come along and provide you with capital. Um, publishers are going to come along and provide you with capital plus uh, all these other added value uh, um, aspects of game development and understand the process and be able to get those uh, um, those components relatively good prices because essentially they are um, uh, uh, they're doing it all the time essentially uh, all right so we've got a, another question coming in that I think is a very interesting one uh, the developer says, they're working, they have a polished GDD and they're working on their demo and they've got interest from publishers, but they haven't sat down and built a full budget yet because it's just the two of them at the moment. The publishers are throwing out numbers that range from 150 to 400K for a year long development cycle. 
they said this is far more than we anticipated initially and aside from marketing and no plan to hire additional full-time people how can a small team justify asking for something like four hundred thousand dollars Uh, do you want me to take it? <laughs> I, I, can, I can try. <laughs> um, so, 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 you know, look, I've I had this this problem before as well. You know, you have a couple of uh, uh, developers that come and they go, well, you know, I need this amount of money because this is what my wage is going to be and I think I need $5,000 to market. And it's like, guys, that's, that's not going to be enough. There's a lot more here that you haven't thought of. Um, you know, trailers, I can make a trailer for 1.2 million US dollars or I could make one for free. <laughs> you know, th th there's such a huge scope between um, the cost of QA, the cost of the languages, how many things are you going to do here? So, um, you know, and, and really I would, I would recommend as I do to all our developers, Let's keep it as tight as we possibly can, but realize, let's put some, um, uh, um, you know, some data points, some goals, such as whether it be wish list, customer engagement, um, sort of some reaction to allow us to unlock further funds if we need it. Because sometimes, you know, with it developing a game, you really don't know what the cost is going to be in the end. I mean, it's how long is a piece of string. Lots of things can happen. Um, of course, it does, you know, really um, uh, uh, depend on the type of game some games that are Unity-based games that, um, you know, uh, are, are much easier to strain. Other games which are sort of unreal um, and uh, can be a lot harder to, uh, uh, to contain because there's so much that can uh, be added. All right, so we're, we're over on time already, but I'm going to keep going for a few minutes, and I want to thank everybody for sticking around that's on our, on our panel uh we've got time for two more uh cauldron and lee i see you both up there subo uh so if you've got a question we haven't got to look at it this way um these folks are going to hopefully stick around for a little bit on the server uh and so you we've got a channel uh called the uh let me scroll and see the workshop the post sessions chat down there under ask an expert and so we'll move some of the questions down there uh but cauldron uh you are up um, You're muted, Cauldron. I apologize, my microphone was faded. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. Thank you for this panel. Uh, first, I want to apologize if my question feels redundant because I'm not that experienced in the field yet and I'm not sure I have understood everything. But uh, here's my question. Uh, I see all uh, these, uh, these um, like uh, funding and stuff uh, are looking for uh, teams, companies uh, trying to see uh, in the long-term future. And I was wondering if there were funding options for people who maybe are not sure and just want to make a great game, just one, and not necessarily go in the full, uh, I want to make a company and make it my life thing uh, in the future. I know if you see what I mean. Yeah, sure, I do, um, Cauldron. Thanks for your question. Um, that's the difference between um, equity VC and project financing because, as I said earlier, we don't care too much about the company. Uh, while we do have equity options uh, in the studios we invest in, we first fund the game. So um, you, if you're driven to make a great project in a great, in a great game, that's, that's enough for us. 
but then please do keep in mind that um making a great game without building your company uh it, it's nonsense you know it doesn't make sense it's basically if you, you you can you will you can make a great game by either you being an awesome solo dev like uh the maker of uh uh, Minecraft, maybe you are, uh, but it, even if you're alone and you make it the next Minecraft, then your company will be worth billions. So you are building it. Uh, ultimately, you are building a company. That's what I could say. I don't know. I don't know if I answer, if I answer the, 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 both of them seem linked, but for sure you, you can focus first on making a game. All right, last question, uh, last live question anyway. If you've got something we haven't gotten to, if you've got a question we haven't addressed yet, uh, like I said, scroll down the server to the post sessions chat channel and we'll get it answered there. So yeah, leave, leave, yeah, leave. Hey everyone, thanks, thanks for doing this. So my question is, so at the end of the day, it's about a lot of it is about you know, recouping investment. So I want to ask, what is your process in basically identifying whether this game is going to make profits or not, or if he's going to make or going to recoup investments or not? Because like at the end of the day, like there's a bunch of games out there that are amazing, but they are in very specific markets that don't end up making enough money to recoup investments. So yeah, I'm I'm just curious about how is everyone's each one of their process in assessing the thing. Thanks. You want to answer that one, Thibaut? Yeah, maybe I can start with that one if you wish. Um, it's... Oh. <laughs> he dropped out. Like, yeah, we just missed Thibaut. Uh, maybe, maybe I can, yeah, I can, yeah. yeah. Uh, so to answer your question, man, um, that's a million dollar question, you know, how we actually uh, make you jump through uh, hoops uh, to know if you're going to be a good fit for the market or not. More seriously, uh, it's pretty simple. You actually know already the answer to this. When you go, you know, on YouTube or you are on Steam or uh, you check the video game market, you personally are more attracted to specific games than others. When you are attracted to specific game, why are you? It's mainly because of the visuals, it's, it can be uh, because of the atmosphere, but more precisely, the game might also, and very likely, is bringing uh, innovation or specific verticalities that, even if they are classic, are something or not, right? Either they're classic verticalities or they're innovative. You will be attracted to them. So that's exactly what we try to spot. If you want to make uh, a new RPG game, an open world RPG game, you know, we're going to compare you to everything that came out before you. And we're going to ask ourselves, is this meaningful? And then again, you know, the redundant uh, process is, can you make it? Can you deliver it? Can you iterate? Can you ship it? Are you able to market it? Are you going to need help from a publisher? All those questions come after. But at the very beginning, it's do you deserve the money? Because we are asking ourselves, do gamers want this? And we definitely don't want to fund a game that gamers don't want. We are gamers. We will tend to fund games that we want to play. But sometimes there's games that we really want to play, but we don't see you know, enough innovation compared to what previously released on the segment. Uh, so uh, we refrain. 
It looks like they've all dropped completely out of the channel, so I can't. <laughs> yeah. Him. But I mean, that's that's it for today. Like I said, if you've got additional, wait, there we go. We we got him back now. Uh, there you are, Thibault. Okay, sorry. Did you did you want to pick up where you were answering earlier? Uh, if you if you wish, maybe someone answer. First, I must apologize, but there is some groundwork on the street, so it does some micro electricity cuts that uh, stop Discord every time. So sorry for that. Um, it's more on arts than the science, to be honest, even if we rely on on a lot of data. Um, what makes a game successful and what is more difficult to say that what will not work, which I believe we are good at as a, as a VC to see that a lot of elements are missing for a success. Uh, but it's never black or white. So when we look at data uh, from a game, First of all, we, we look at what the size of the market for the leaders. Second, we look at the differentiation. Uh, and based on this initial analysis, what we try to do, and with the data we get, even on small numbers, is to try to look at what what is the acquisition funnel? What is the CPI to the CPPU? Um, what are the metrics we, we get, uh, even on a small base of users? What kind of LTV can we expect? What kind of LTV do we have right now? And what kind of LTV can we expect? And and then it's more conviction work from the founders to say, okay, we will pile up with this and this functionality, with this monetization. I know my retention is too weak, but it's because I've not yet built enough uh, gameplay for more than 14 days. So after 14 days, it drops, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then we try to really uh, on the first sign of traction see okay do we believe uh, this game has a potential and once we are convinced we move back to the work on the team and uh, so the second question is are they, are they able to do the, um, the work necessary to succeed and for, for more successful studios who already have, uh, I would say, positive gross margin post-marketing, um, it's really a question of deep diving on how user acquisition is made. Uh, have they reached their maximum potential or should they focus on a specific genre uh, or uh, demographic? Uh, or kind of campaign, or have they just scratched the surface and there's a lot of things to do. So for instance, very often we see a lot of people who try to do the cheapest CPI as possible with some mid-core to hardcore game, where it could be very interesting to test uh, if with higher CPI and uh, more hardcore players, which are obviously more expensive, we cannot come with some areas of or some target audience, we could have a totally different LTV with the very same game. And so this is all this work that we try to do in order to assess the potential based on what exists, uh, what's your market potential, who are you targeting in your audience, and what are your KPIs. I mean, if your game is boring and you have 15% D1 retention, uh, uh, 
It's too early to talk to a VC. Thank you, Thibault. Uh, thank you so much. I think that we don't have uh, much time for uh, the new questions. So, Jay, thanks for taking care of the Q&A session, and thank you for having us here at this channel today. You're doing a great job. Uh, also, please let let me remind you that there is a channel called Post Session Chat. Uh, where you can ask all your reminding questions, and I hope that some of the panelists will still uh, like keep looking at this channel for some time and uh, will be able to answer your questions. And of course, you can text them directly. Also, as far as I know, Jay just posted a link uh, to the list of investors that we at Achievers Hub have created last week. Uh, this list contains around 140 companies that are at the moment investing in games companies. So they have either have already invested in gaming companies or they declare that they're looking for gaming companies to invest in. So you can check out this list. Uh, we're going to be constantly updating it and I'm really hoping that you'll be able to find a good match for your game and uh, for your studio. So as you can see, there are a lot of options for you out there. Um, but what matters is just find the right type of investor that fits your size of the company, that fits your project. Uh, look around and uh, always keep your eyes open to look for new funding opportunities and uh, keep making your game better and make it the game you would like to play yourself. Um, thank you again to all the panelists for joining us and for sharing their valuable experience. And uh, thank you all, uh, the audience, for coming here today, for asking your questions, for being active. And uh, let's just switch to the post-session chat. Thank you. It was awesome. Thank you, Elena. Thank you, Elena. It was great. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.